0: Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I'm Andy Ori and alongside me is Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hello, Pippa. And we are joined by Queenie Porter, the world's best named human. Queenie Porter is a UK managing director at WOW Hydrate, <laughs> as I like to say, it, who produces a range of protein, electrolyte and vitamin-rich waters. WOW Hydrate are widely known as pioneers in the sports drink industry, although you can just say WOW Hydrate. To be
1: fair, it's all in caps, so it sounds yeah, like it, it should be WOW, wow! Hydrate.
0: Hydrate, Queenie, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure a pleasure to Thank meet you. you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. So, what's keeping Queenie up at night? Business-related or not?
2: So, very hot off the press. We've just become the sports hydration partner for Man United. Ooh, Ooh, very exciting. That is huge. Which is the biggest deal we've brokered in Wow Hydrate history. So, if I'm going to be really frank, what's keeping me up at night is have I made the best decision for the investors and how they invested their money? is this the right directory for the business? I believe it absolutely is. My team have done an absolutely fantastic job in bringing the deal together. Who are they using at the moment for hydration? Nobody. Up? Water. Just water.
1: And water doesn't need
2: advertising, right? So it's why just wouldn't it. you want an added benefit, water? So what's keeping me up at night is that launch and that execution. Alongside that is also, I'm just about to be enrolled onto the West Ham Women's Football Board um, as Vice President Oh wow. alongside Karen Brady. So... It's been a childhood dream of mine to work with you, her and be part of her. Are you a mad footballer? love football. Growing up, I absolutely loved it. Your dad, your brothers? Or? Dad, brother-in-laws, granddads, everything. I played a little bit of football growing up, but I had this real juxtaposition of wanting to play football, but also loving fashion and makeup. And so in my era, it wasn't quite the done thing for girls, so I just kind of moved away from it. So elated now that I get to be part of something to do with football and do my current role.
0: Well, I always drive past that advert that says, uh, DIY, it's a man's game, like football is, brackets was or whatever. You know, it's changed so much, really, you know.
2: It's changed loads. However, I'm still a massive advocate of men's football. It's still the most incredible game to watch. And women's football is different. It's still incredible, but it's got a different vibe. It's more of a family vibe and it's got a bit more of a friendly atmosphere. And I think that it's really important that women's football doesn't try and get profiled in the men's football game. They're two separate things. I'm a really big advocate of that. So no, I'm really excited to be part of Man United globally and then West Ham is from the women's side. So definitely keep me up at night without, without a doubt.
0: I think it's the men's game. Is, I mean, it's got such a head start, doesn't it? That it's, you know, it's, it's a sort of athletic performance at the very, very, very highest level. You know, women's football is obviously coming leaps and bounds, but I can imagine, you know, men's football, regardless that it's men, it's just, it's so competitive and there's so many people who want to do it. And we have the highest, we have the be- biggest, best Absolutely. league in the world. You've got the finest players from the world. It's like... Like you're talking about the best of the best of the best of the best and something, it becomes that sort of superhuman kind of level, isn't it? Absolutely.
2: The the women's game is in its infancy and it it shouldn't be compared to the men's game. It's a different, exactly as you said, it's in a different stage of of its progression. So I think it's really important that we advocate women's football. We don't try and put it in the same box. It's two different things with two different missions and it's years behind in terms of its global reach and its commerciality. However, it's...
0: Coming fast.
2: Coming fast, and it's, I think it's great for schools and to the young girls to be inspired and know that there's an opportunity now as a career path for them to do it.
0: I've had that other clients do stuff for Manchester United, um, you know, but slightly in a, a different way. Maybe a, a, a product that helps with injuries or backs and stuff, and they they have found it hard to commercially get that value. You know, it's very nice to say, oh, you know, people use our our thing to help improve performance at Manchester United, but I think a product like this, I mean, this is
1: it fits perfectly. It's doesn't product it? placement, yeah.
0: really, isn't it? I mean, you know, and everyone's going to see it and go, oh, well, and and there's this weird effect that when you, you, you humans will look at the successful people in society. It's why the celebrity effect is so strong. I think it will have a very, you know, powerful effect. Why did they choose you? Is your, you know, ultimately you've got to pay money, but there's lots and lots of hydration products.
2: So we're, we're sugar-free, we're healthy, we've got every vitamin in there. We do an electrolyte product, which is great for during hydration. So obviously putting the electrolytes back into your body when you perspire. Great for hangovers. The best for hangovers, little plug there. Ever hungover, have an electrolyte.
0: Electrolytes are in water anyway, aren't they? I mean, electrolytes, are, I don't want to, you know, if science is in the area... No, but
1: I've got to say, if you come home drunk, yes, what? slightly the worst for wear, you get one of those tabs that are electrolytes and put it in a glass of water and drink it, it It makes a massive difference. Or get a Wow Hydrate pre-mixed electrolyte drink,
2: drink it before you go to sleep. Absolutely. So what? what, in simple terms, I'm absolutely no scientist, but I'll try and explain it in an easy way. What electrolytes do, they trick your body into thinking you're more dehydrated than what you are, so they help you absorb the water quicker. And hang on to more water. Hang on to more water, so they rehydrate you at a much faster rate. And then our protein water, obviously, a lot of protein products out there are dairy-based, so they're quite heavy. With the protein water, again, you're hydrating, but it's also re- helping you recover um, white tissue, muscles, but also I like to call it affectionately Botox in a bottle because it's a collagen source. Yeah,
0: you've got a collagen in there. I spent I spent too much of my life in the cosmetic industry. I, yeah, okay. Yeah. Skin,
2: hair, nails. Skin, hair, nails. Double tick.
0: I know. I look. Collagen is amazing, although it all comes from cows, which is always a little bit like. It does. Know, Gotta
1: do something with cows. Well, we
0: eat them, so you know why not inject some bovine exactly. Botox in? You know, Botox is it's phenomenal what it can do. Are we going in now? We...
2: Taste, it. Oh, taste, God, taste it. Taste it. Yeah. This is. Oh no! Open the cap. Hang on.
0: All uh, oh, right, it's complicated sports procedure. <laughs> sports clap. Oh yeah, I've got it.
2: I've no idea
1: how to. Are you gonna? Can you open that one as well? Any other, Any? this is one of the few things men
0: can do, by the way. Open uh, the cap. And change caps, light take, bulbs. <laughs> change light bulbs, take rubbish out. And put the bins out, going
1: to say, uh, put the and, bins and out. <laughs> and
0: take risks. Take, uh, not all, but, you know, lots of women take crazy risks, but men love taking risks. I it? love
1: taking risks, clearly, one of my favourite
0: things. Clearly,
1: clearly. I thought this was going to be the colour of summer fruits, so. Mm.
0: I can tell that's going to be hydrating. That's the sort of thing if I've been running around a pitch would be, you know, great.
2: How did you end up? Doing this. Mm. So I've got a bit of a fun story actually. I literally went from fashion to food. So I left school when I was 16 and I decided to go straight away to the Fashion Retail Academy that Sir Philip Green at the time owned. Um, Yes, it was the first pioneer, only 50 of us, and I think now they probably take a thousand students a year. Um, Knew that I absolutely loved fashion. Um, So went there at 16, left at 17 and a half and become their youngest ever buyer's admin assistant. Worked my way up to buying manager, head of buying by the time I was about 26, 27. And kind of decided that I absolutely loved fashion and I'd had a great run with it. Mm. It was a passion of mine. But I wanted to get into something a bit different. So I got headhunted, ironically, on the famous LinkedIn to go be head of buying at the co-op group. So FMCG. So literally went from fashion to food. Fashion is so fast paced, so glamorous mm.
0: and vicious. And vicious. I, I mean, and it's a tough, nasty tough, industry, I would say. There's a industry. lot of pretty tough, you know. I, I almost don't like working for anyone in the fashion industry because I've just, I've just, you have such a different a way, way about you.
2: And do you know what I started to think? I was, kind of 26 and I started to realize that I was becoming like the seniors that I didn't want to become like. You become a breed of your own because you have, you're put under so much pressure to meet targets and be the forefront, number one in every category that you trade, that you become obsessive with it and you think that your job is more important than a heart surgeon. Mm, yeah. And I just remember going on a holiday and thinking, I love fashion as a passion, but I'm not actually bringing anything to the table in terms of anything that I think is meaningful and anything I'm actually really enjoying anymore. And there's a lot happening in the fashion industry at the time. So ASOS had just kind of reared their way up and online becomes huge and the Arcadia group, I can say now, because obviously they're they're no longer around, just didn't put online as the forefront. And I could really see that they weren't moving in with the industry. So I thought, you know what, I'd rather finish on a hire. Had a great run in the fashion, loved working with Top Top Jewelry, everything else. So took a couple of months out and yeah, got headhunted by the co-op groups. I went from a fast-paced, kind of very strong female industry with some real tough figures that run Mm. the business, I feel, to a company owned by the public. So, you know, a member company that's the co op.
0: Supermarket is pretty tough, but the co op's the friendly one.
2: Co op's the friendly one. And they're, you know, they're owned by the public. So they're this, they're all about the people, they're all about the customer. So I went from fast pace to such slow pace. And it was, it took a while for me to adjust to it because I was just so used to being a bull in a china shop, <laughs> an absolute ball breaker with negotiating with suppliers. What and made you a good buyer out of interest? That. Oh, negotiation, negotiation you're like,
1: terrifying are you <laughs> to be fair in fmcg everybody's so like the the manufacturers of products are so desperate to get their products on supermarket shelves they'll basically take anything you throw at and them, fmcg it
2: feels more like a partnership when you're talking to suppliers and ingredient suppliers where when you're in fashion it's very much like the elite is the fashion label and it's the buyer and it's it's very much like you know, you feel like you've got a lot of power. So you don't do anything untoward, but you negotiate hard. Mm. And going to the co-op in a good way softened me slightly in terms of learning how to negotiate for a partnership. Mm. And I've learned through that that I've had, I managed to get so much more out of it. Mm. Yeah, like kind of a couple of years into working at the co-op group through a mutual friend, one of the original founders of Wow Hydrate got introduced to me and kind of, as he would, said, please, can we get Wow Hydrate listed within the co-op? And I was like, okay, I'll look at the products. And... Then within three months, he convinced me to come and run the commercial department. So that's oh. kind of my whistle-stop story. And four years in, here I am.
0: It's nice you mentioned the co-op because cooperatives, this sort of this pre, there, there's very few of them left. I mean, you know, there used to be a lot of it because you know farmers and people would come together and say, "Well, let's set up our own market." I think that's how the co-op started. Yep. It was like you know, a load of people that. said, Eight
2: pioneers," I think it was. Yeah,
0: screw this, we'll set up a shop. Let's sell. Make the everything stuff.
2: fair. You must
0: have a particular uh, attraction to this product or to the what they were doing, and you thought. I can smash this out or something.
2: Yeah, and do you know what it was? As I spoke about growing up, I absolutely loved sport, but then also loved the glamour of fashion. And so to be able to come and work for an SME at the time, obviously we're no longer now, we've obviously exploded the last kind of couple of years, where I could, you know, have my passion of sport, which I absolutely loved, and been able to be back in the sport industry, but then also have a slightly glamour side of being able to negotiate, go to great events. So my two worlds basically collided. So, all of a sudden, I'd carved out this career path. It was a bit of an epiphany, actually, whereby I'd managed to find a role that brings both together. I also, at the time, the founders were really entrepreneurial, and I loved the freedom they wanted to give me to kind of take the brand to the next level. And being able to build a business up from the beginning, you know, where I'd gone from fashion to food, so really fast-paced and crazy to really slow-paced, I felt like this is the happy medium.
0: They put you in charge, though, the founders, did they? You're managing director in old school English. She is now.
2: That's how it rolls. I started as head of commercial, so I was in charge of um, all of our listings. So when I joined, we had the Tesco listing, and we're just about to go into Morrison's, and now we're in all major retailers. So within kind of two to three years, we went from 600,000 bottles a year to in the millions now. So this time last year, it's my one-year anniversary last month, I became managing director.
0: Okay. Your business partners out of interest to that. How many founders are there? Lots of them or?
2: So there was two original founders and then we've recently had investment from some large kind of commodity brokers who have personally invested money. So it was still privately funded and they're very much on the journey with us to build the brand
0: Wait, wait, wait. Commodity brokers are someone who works in the city who trades commodities, no? Am I so, misleading?
2: by commodity brokers, I mean they're in the oil industry. So, shipping ah, brokers. Shipping um, brokers, okay. one owns, One's a big CEO of a public company, another one's privately owned. So, High net worth individuals So who, angel investment, really. It's their personal investment rather yeah. than business investment. So they've got their own businesses and they're personally invested. Mm. So it's still a tight board of five people. They're very much on the directory with us and wanting to build the brand up to be the biggest hydration drink globally. So hence I've done the Man United deal. We've got some other exciting announcements that will be happening over the next few months. So it's now all about building the brand to a level whereby we can become the number one in the hydration market.
0: What's the biggest challenge to that? There's loads of hydration brands, aren't there?
2: The thing is with our drink, it's about the consumer education part. So people understanding what the drink can do for you. Everyone that works within my team can't be there educating the world. So it's about how we have the likes of Man United talking to their fans. The likes of all our ambassadors like Tyson Fury. It's about myself going on things like the podcast and profiling the business within, you know, boards and sport. So the consumer understands why they need electrolytes and why they need protein in their life and why wow Hydrate should be your number one choice. It's already very big in America, not wow Hydrate, but electrolytes and protein. And we tend to find in the FNCG industry that the trends come out of America. Yeah, I mean, vitamin, water and stuff in the exactly US. Exactly that is it's huge. Billions and billions of dollars. Absolutely, so... We want to be able to, the UK become number one, Europe become number one, and then America will come after. And it's
1: kind of a natural thing in the US as well. It has been for years that you will buy those kind of water drinks that have added ingredients in them. Whereas I think in the UK, people have been a bit reticent about it. They're a bit like, can't I just have a glass of water?
2: Yes. Why, why do I need this? Yeah. yeah. And I, f- I feel like in the UK, we're we're a bit more cynical. So if something's... Just a little. Ca- just a little. We're Americans, not trying to box everyone here, but I think they listen. And if, if something's being profiled by someone or they're being told something, they'll try it. Where British people are so cynical, we're like, like don't believe you, it's too trust good it to be true. Or, yeah. you know, it can't be that good. Or it, So I think it's a lot harder to win the UK consumer I mean, and public over. I
0: mean, in a way, you know, America's a big place, hard to generalise. I'm sure in New York they're as cynical as we are in London, if Absolutely. not more. But <laughs> the way you advertise in America is much more like, well, actually, wow, it's much more like, hey, yeah. you, this is what... In it your is. face. You know, whereas we fight, we, we like the reverse sale. You know, we're very good when someone says, no, no, you don't want this. Don't I? Well, I might want it. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, uh, this guy used to sell, he still does sell telecoms. I mean, I still remember all these people coming in our door. Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. And this guy came in and said... No, I can't really help you I'd, you know you ended up buying off of me. you just couldn't help as a Brit you were just yeah. like this guy's great he's not trying to sell me anything you know yeah, it's like yeah, no absolutely.
2: no it's reverse psychology
0: what's the biggest challenges what have we got
2: in the industry and I think everyone can see that now if you've got deep enough pockets you can go get any influencer any sports star To promote your drink. I'm not going to name any names, but there's certain drinks in the industry that don't directly compete with Wow, but have done very good at exploding into the market. And it's just because they've got the funding and the right people to profile Gen Z, which let's be honest, Gen Z are who will make a brand, you know, make people pick it up. So the hardest thing I think we've got, particularly in the drinks industry, is competing against the drinks that are not authentic and the, the partnerships and, and the celebrities that are profiling drinks that are not actually doing what they say they're doing. I think that with, as well wow Hydrate, we don't want to explode too quickly. We want longevity. So I think we're trying to do things like the authentic partnerships and the the right ambassadors, because we don't just want a social media star being paid hashtag yeah. ad to just say drink Wow Hydrate. We might have a spike in sales for one day, and then it will just drop off. So I think it's really hard to compete against brands that are just using certain people to just be paid to hold a product. I think think
0: society has a huge problem that because of that effect, I said that you just copy whoever's appearing to be successful. And then you've got, frankly moronic people anywhere who none of us, if we really sat down, you know, if you asked your old man or your mum, like, you know, there's not old people out there giving out good advice. And then the thing for me that's really bothering me is I've started to come to the conclusion it's the young kids who are clicking on these things a thousand times and driving these these stats of, oh, this person's got a million followers because everyone who's under 16 thinks it's hilarious when you throw a cat against the wall, yeah. you know, or whatever. And then they become the big name and we think, oh, we better all follow them or they've got lots of followers. And then they get some bullshit drink or some bullshit thing, because they're full of shit, because frankly, they're doing stuff that appeals to 12-year-olds, you know, and and there's such a problem. If you think about it in society, if the fact that everyone over 50 isn't really on these things, so everyone over 40, I know in this country, we love the young. I mean, we love the young, you know, we're shit at looking after the old, you know, you can, when you're 18, you can tell your parents to do one, and you just walk out the house, and that's great. I love that bit of our society, but you know, there's a problem there that if we're not looking up to our, you know, as they would in a lot of countries, whether it be Japan or India or China, looking up to the people with wisdom and experience. Because frankly, I ring my dad every day because we work together and I can't replace his knowledge and experience. And he, he is almost always right on a subject, you know. So I think there's a really complicated thing going on with these influencers. And I think I think they're not back like Manchester United. At least they got some scientists and trying to work out
2: what they're doing, you yeah. know. And it's an authentic partnership where I think a lot of these brands that weighed serious money into these influences were influencing people to buy things and it's not an authentic influence.
1: What I really would like to know though, right, is you started off, so you got headhunted to be their sort of chief buyer effectively. How did you get from that point to managing director? Did you massively push did you ball break a bit or did literally somebody just say, Do you know what,
2: you're really good, let's make you MD? I think it was a mix of both. Um, one of the founders was quite a bit advocate of mine and I think that we kind of had the same vision for the business. Was this founder a woman or a man? A man? Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, The, 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 pre- the previous two senior figureheads that kind of spearheaded the business didn't have the the modern vision and going back to risks as we were talking about earlier, I didn't have the the confidence to take the risks that I wanted to take. I'm not saying every risk is paid off, but i say 80% have. And so what I kept doing is just kept speaking to the original founder about where I thought the business should go. I think we should do this and kept suggesting so much. And we went, right, literally said to me one day after a meeting, go be MD for two months and then show me what you're going to do then. Oh, and i put you on trial for two months, literally. And I wow. thought, I love that sort of challenge. Like, I love that sort of thing. So I went on trial for like eight weeks. And by the end of the eight weeks, I become managing director. And Joe, you know, the one thing that drives me the most mental about being managing director is someone ringing me and asking me for a solution. Ring me and tell me what your solution is. And let's collaboratively come up with the best solution together. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to know the problem better than me in terms of the detail look I might be able to get there a little bit quicker than you because of my experience but I really want to hear how you think we should get there so true because I find and it drives me mad I mean I we
1: have it exactly you know in exactly the same way you know like my assistants will come to me with a question my first question is what do you think you should do they might be wrong they might be right but at least then they've spent a bit of time on it 100% well
0: you're sort of talking about not everyone has initiative in fact probably a minority I don't know I mean everyone has some initiative obviously they can get up and go to the toilet you know whatever but you know hopefully, it, it, hopefully. but um it, it, you're actually talking about leaders some people yeah. like to lead some people. what my god my father-in-law said the best caribbean phrase the other day to me um some people like uh lead follow or get out of the way yeah <laughs> very true it's so true and uh i mean there's something i don't know another generalization if i was to say what is what characterizes an essex person i would slightly say fearlessness slightly
2: you don't give a fuck
0: you know, what people think,
2: how you dress. We're already stereotyped, so we've got nothing to lose. I feel like you are massively stereotyping Essex. Well, I'm asking you the
0: question, actually. Don't you think there is a little bit of something in that? You know, is there something in that culture that's just like, fuck it, come on, we'll do it?
2: I love being stereotyped because I'm the biggest juxtaposition you're ever going to meet. I look probably like a typical Essex person. However, I don't act like one. And I love that when I walk into a room, particularly a board meeting or... I don't know, a really high level business. Oh, you're business. a killer.
0: You're a killer underneath. I'm,
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely different to what they'd expect. And I don't want people to say, oh, I hate that thing where people are, oh my God, she's actually got a brain. But literally that is the case. They're like, but oh my you God. do actually have a brain. Absolutely. And I love that when I walk in, maybe initially people don't think that I'm going to have one and it's like my little killer, like my secret power. Actually, that's an interesting point.
0: I don't think that. I Essex people, I was like, I like a lot and I don't think that. But playing the fool, playing the fool is a very powerful technique.
1: Very powerful. It was my favourite one and it's a great position to be in to be kind of constantly underestimated because you're already starting one up kind yeah. of thing
0: well you you have that lovely moment when you, you play the fool and it's working and then someone treats you like an arsehole and then, and then you switch and that when people do that that's so fucking cool it's like okay let me actually break this down to you this is what the fuck is going on here
2: What's your kind of biggest fuck-up so far? So, biggest fuck-up for me was actually when I was in the fashion industry. And it's quite ironic because obviously what's been happening in the news of someone very unfortunately passing away. I used to love a TV series called Friends. Yeah. And there's a really famous episode when Rachel becomes part of the smoking crew at Ralph Lauren. And when I joined... Topshop, this was kind of in the early to mid-2000s and everyone kind of smoked. It. I started to notice the kind of the cool cats of, of the fashion industry that were kind of being a bit more noticed by senior management all used to have this certain cigarette break a couple of times yeah. and they, they weren't probably the best gang in terms of being nice to everybody and I kind of immersed myself in it a little bit, thankfully for the only about six mean months. Girls
1: of fashion. I'd say slightly
2: mean girls um, and so being young, 21, I kind of immersed myself in a little bit and the reason why I was a bit of a fuck up for me is because I kind of lost my work goals and got a bit more caught up in what was the gang to be in, so Mm. to speak. I managed to unpick it quite quickly. I had a really good mentor. who kind of sat me down and spoke to me about a couple of things. And, that was probably my biggest fuck up, just the fact that I got a little bit lost in trying to fit in rather than being a lone ranger. It's kind of like school all over again, isn't it? At, when I was so young as well, yeah. and everyone was so much older than me, where I didn't go to university, I went fresh out of fashion retail academy. I got a bit kind of lost in it. And so it really quickly realigned that my focus in business will always be my work goals. It's great to, you know, get on with colleagues, but it's not about being part of any sort of pack.
0: Well, the important rule for me is friendship is about enjoying someone's company and respecting them. And if you lose respect, you stop enjoying their company. But working with someone is just about respect. Absolutely, you, know, you, you don't know, need to be like You
1: don't have to like them. But you do, there, there is a tendency well, for Well, no, clicks. you
0: still want to be liked, but you don't, to work well with someone, you don't have to like them. You have to respect them.
2: Yeah. The whole point of having a team and having a company is that everyone thinks differently because then collaboratively, you're getting the best out of it. But I've got um, a famous saying that me and the original founder of Value used to say is that we always want to employ people that are cleverer than us. Mm. Why are you going to employ someone if they're not going to bring anything more to the table? It doesn't matter if you're a leader or, you know, you've higher got Hire people
0: you're afraid of, someone said to me once. Yeah, you know?
2: and also the higher people, you know, try and make your job obsolete yeah. is one yeah. I, I dream I love about. That. <laughs> Do you know what? And I say this to my team all the time. Is there a day that I don't need to come to a meeting or is there a day where you don't need me? I'm going to be high-fiving you yeah. all because, wow, we've all got there together. Yeah, people have a
0: habit of, of not wanting to hire
2: people better than them. It's an insecurity that you just can't have. Yeah, yeah. Let's say that there's a job that I currently do in my MD role and then someone can take it over. I'll move on to something else that will strategize, mm. something bigger for the business. So it means that I can then grow the business in other ways. And it's the biggest compliment as a leader if you've got people that are coming through the ranks. It's Infe- my favourite thing. Insecurity
0: mm. has got to be one of the worst, uh, and you're very blind to insecurity often. Whether it's a client or someone, and you're thinking, "What the way the fuck are they behaving?" and then you just realise. They're insecure, you know, That yeah. it's empty vessels make the most noise, you know, they're Absolutely. coming in a meeting trying to, it's the blindness to it that's a real frustration, you yeah. know, there's something, I mean, there's something in your upbringing, you know, you've obviously had an amazing upbringing. You grew up in a family, you said, who ran his own, what was your dad's business? So
2: my dad's an entrepreneur, so he owns a point of sale business. So if you went into any major retailer and you saw the kind of the prospects of the wood point of sale that kind of made he does up, that stuff? Yes, he does all of that. And because... He had to work kind of day and night. Carpenter
0: originally was he?
2: No, just um, originally perspex actually, oh. then moved into kind of the woodwork later on. So manufacturing, mm. but where he had to really build the business. My mum was the the business leader at home. I like to call it. I don't like that traditional housewife term. Business
0: leader at home. She's the
2: business leader at home. Like she owns the the table at dinner, and you know she she's the boss of the family. So. I had this combination of this really strong woman who I saw as the backbone to my dad and then my dad running the business. And I think I'm just a combination of both of them. So I've got the charm and the femininity of my mum, but probably the entrepreneurial brain of my dad.
0: Nice. Well, you're making the point, uh, I think is often overlooked when we talk about equality and stuff is that we look focused on the workplace or terribly unfair in the workplace. And I, I always make the joke, as like, yeah, but I don't know any man in charge at home so does it There's count none. does no. it count because I spend more time at home than I do at work admittedly I'm asleep a lot of the time because I mean years ago I tried to move the sofa and I got into shit you know and I mean we were me and my uh, we're moving the house around at the moment and my father-in-law's there and and yeah that's what he said the phrase he said I've learned lead, follow or get out of the way and yeah. you know, he just disappeared you know but you obviously for your parents and I mean this with respect is it's, it's very easy as a man especially to my daughter to, you know you create the princess effect very easily by always trying to protect them and be you know your dad Dad, obviously, from an early age, just kind of, you work it out, yeah, and let me know 100. you know, and that's so important.
2: The best thing they used to always say to me, obviously, my, my parents are in a very fortunate position now, but my dad used to say, Let's say, I don't know, something was 300 pounds. He'd say to me, You save 150 and I'll match it. And when it comes to me paying for the 300 pounds, he'd end up paying, I don't know why I didn't learn quicker this, but he'd end up paying for it all. But it's the fact he just wanted me to understand how to get there.
0: Mm, you make an effort, you try, He's
2: that like, you show me you really want it, and then we're there.
1: I've got four nieces and all the eldest nieces, once they got to like fifteen, worked on the market on a Saturday morning, yeah. had to get up at like five AM or half past four so that they were there at the start of market and they were all worked on the vegetable stall. Yeah. So they'd all just, you know, sell vegetables all day on a Saturday, every Saturday, yeah, to make money.
2: A bit controversial, but my parents are big advocates of working, not so much Obviously, education from a primary school and secondary school situation, but my parents always said, look, if you want to be a doctor, we'll put you for uni- university, but you're mm. not going to university unless you can tell us the exact trade you want to go and do. My dad said, go go to uni, but tell me why you're going to uni. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll fund it, and I will make sure that you can go there, and I'll make sure you go to the best university, and I'll make sure you've got no worries to get that education, but you're not going to university unless you can tell me the career path after. So me and my sisters learnt very quickly that we had to let them know what our career path was, and they'd support us in whatever that was.
0: I mean, that should be like how it, the, the university should be saying that to you, you know? It, should, yeah. it shouldn't be like, oh, just go to university, get this thing and then, you know, work it out. It should be like, would you really want to go and do those things, you know? I think your dad's nailed it. Tell me why, because otherwise you're mostly going to end up with, get you get lazy is yep. one of the things. You become entitled, you yep. know, get a drug habit, a lot of people do, or like bad behaviours, you know?
1: And I also think that a lot of people now, most, most kids... The decision to go to university, you know, it was different when I went to university. Don't know about you, but when I went to university, I had grants. So I was given £800 a term to live on, right? So you could make that decision. Whereas now I think kids are very careful about whether they go to university because it's a fuck ton of money that they're going to end up owing the government. My point is that most kids, unless they've got very rich parents have to make a decision about university nowadays, which is quite clear-eyed in terms of what is this going to get me in terms of my future career because they're going to have to pay for it. It's not like, it, you know, unless your parents are wealthy...
2: Absolutely. You have to pay for it. You have to make that decision quite carefully. I think a great hybrid hybrid, sorry, would be you can go to university, you go three days a week, another two days you have to work.
0: Oh, that's good. And then
2: the company can either fund that education or the wages you earn can go towards it then you get some experience in the office and you get some experience in in, wow. in workplace. Because, I mean, I'm not generalising at all here because I know some great people that are at, at university and at that sort of age, but I think they lack skills in the office of course little, they do things like it's polite to ask if you're going to leave does anyone else want lunch or join a cup of tea or whatever know, yeah, them sort of yeah. life skills that you just by the time it's you're 24 just... 25 you've never been in an office how would you know the etiquette and i think they 100%. lose a lot of work etiquette because they're in university they've been in school since they're three
0: you know you're so used to the school environment you only talk to people in your year and the people you know you go into a workplace and you start like that and, different and, you're, characters and you're like and... if a 60 year old comes up to you respond you're on a level absolutely make him a cup of tea you know respect yeah well we're all in agreement i love your idea three days thing or two days you know college why not
2: what's the best advice you've ever been given the best advice i was ever given is so early on in my career was don't cover up a mistake
1: oh so true
2: we've all done it though i've definitely done it but try and be as transparent as you can from the very start because otherwise that mistake always contacts like, and bites you on the bum. It really, really, really does. And then I know now as a leader, even though I might not come across like it at the start, because obviously the mistake might not be great, but I respect you so much more. And then we can find a solution together. Trying to cover it up and lying about it, it just never works. Totally agree. But I also think the flip side
1: of that is also don't assume immediately assume you've made a massive mistake. Cause it's always
2: worse in your head, isn't that's it? That's my thing. You overthink it, I it's always worse. I've
1: massively fucked up and then I discover I haven't. And by that point, I've been massively stressed for 10 minutes when I needn't have been.
0: I think in our jobs that's particularly true technically. You think, ah, oh, I fucked up. The law is so endless, and then tax you're like, oh, law is so endless. No, I it's like, up. no, you think you fucked up. Tell everyone in your inner circle, I think I fucked up, and then you, you all, can all help you, each other. You all exactly get the books out and go, have we fucked up?
2: What's the worst advice you've ever been given about being liked? And I know this is a bit controversial, and I think that we've touched on this earlier. Is that I would much rather someone say that they respect me than like me. And I'm not saying I don't want to be liked, but naturally. When you're a leader, you do want to be liked. Like, humans want to be liked. It. And it's quite lonely being a leader.
1: But you can't be liked all the time. You're going to, at some
2: point, have to make somebody do something that they don't want to do. Absolutely. So as long as I know that I'm being authentic and the, everyone respects me, I'm okay with not being liked. And there's something in as a leader knowing that you're not going to be part of, I don't know, not the gangs, but the, the friendship group, so to speak, within there.
0: We're conditioned from school because kids are horrible. Yeah. And, and and when you become unpopular in a class of 20 or 30 and then everyone picks on you and you're the unpopular kid and you lose your confidence. I mean, it happens to all of us at some point and we're terrified of that moment. And we're yeah. like, we're so scared it might happen again when actually you can't explain to a kid that it's like, this is all bullshit. Yeah. What, what matter? The fact that you are weird is going to be a huge advantage yeah. later. You don't want to be the same as everyone else. No. You don't want to be average. And you I know? think as
2: long as you're authentic, you authentically know you're making all the right, to- decisions by the people in the business then whether people like your decision or not i think you can sleep well at night just knowing that you've made the right decision but you know when you're the leader you can't
1: expect nor should you want to no go out drinking no with way your your tea do you
0: do that i mean this, that's a really tricky line because it's a very
2: tricky line Particularly once in a while fine. yeah particularly in the industry they're in there's lots of events boxing football and this hospitality so it's finding that right kind of line between not being you know not relatable but also ensuring that, you know, you are the leader and you don't definitely want a fear after a night out with colleagues, a night out of your yeah, own friends, yeah. it's another life, another story. But with colleagues, I want them to know that I am relatable and I am human and, of course, I like to have fun, but I'm no way going to be drinking like I would with friends.
0: My dear sister who passed would put it as in, I think her view would be like if there's an event, it's like be there first, yep. make sure everyone's got a drink, yep. introduce everyone to yep. everyone, but then fuck off a bit early. You know what I mean? Once it's 100%. really going... Say, you know, maybe just disappear. But like, just don't, she would say, don't have that last drink. Don't start fucking getting involved.
2: I always think it's great to go to work things, but they're not the place where you want to have fun funs for your with your friends and in your personal life and if you're using work events of fun that's when you need to have a little reassess and i mean you started work at a point where you couldn't go to the pub i know and i was yeah i was 17 so it took me kind of 17 and a half so it took me like six months before i could start going for those work drinks and also i was quite lucky that any kind of maybe little drunken work nights or whatever nothing anything bad happened when i was young so i've kind of i learned very fast so i made the mistakes young and now a quick word from our sponsor.
0: Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What do you think's bullshit in the industry then? Interviews. Really?
2: (laughs) I hate interviews. (laughs) They remind me a little bit of trying to do a half an hour exam and you have to preview all your skill set in half an hour. I think that they're old industry. I don't think they're the modern way of getting to know somebody. They're going to put their best behaviour on. So I know it's a little bit difficult, but something that I've been a big advocate of and made happen in WOW is that for a position, you need to come and do a couple of days. Great, in the wow. So you have to see what sit,
0: everyone thinks of you.
2: See what everyone thinks of you, how you interact with myself and the, the senior team, like whether you fit in because it's all about how it works for them as well as us I think mm. that traditional interviews are all about oh are you right for us well hang on a second this is this right for that person cause we're going to invest a lot of time in you For in six months time you're going to leave because you don't like the
0: business 100% they don't, they don't appreciate I mean when people walk after six months I mean you have to respect them but honestly I could punch them sometimes oh is don't that, you've you, invested all that time you, have, no, you haven't even fucking been you, you have slowed us down yeah. and that oh you don't really like it or whatever it's yeah. like oh for god's sake but you know it'd be hard to even if they came for a few days it'd be hard to Spot a narcissist with their like honeymoon period and no, shit. Of you course.
2: Know. But at least we can get a little bit of a vibe and they can understand what it's like. You, you can get, get a vibe. A vibe from somebody. <laughs> you really can get a vibe. But I just feel like as a business, we have 20 rehearsed questions which they've heard a oh, thousand times before. They give us rehearsed answers. You can't understand their personality. And the most important thing for me is do you fit in with the team? Because to funny, I'm not going to be there day-to-day. So whether you pass with flying colours and me with questions, do the team like you and do you like the team? Because you know, the last thing I need is none of you getting on because that just causes me a load of
0: unnecessary drama. And also it's chemistry. Like in, in bands, in music, you can change one person. You know, you've got 20 people. I don't How many people in the office now?
2: Uh, about 25. 25
0: people. Yeah. You know, and it's you adding someone to the mix. That's not something predictable even if you spent on your own two days with them. Because yeah. you put them in that environment you're like, fuck on and think they really like, yeah. you know, they're maybe, they, maybe they're very strong politically and one said something and then it's off and yeah. then it's like, fuck, this is not going to work, you know? So it's not even in your industry. I would Just agree. Just in general. Interviews, they are bollocks. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <is> bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's, I love the question you already illustrated. It's like they say good Excel skills and you go, you've got good Excel skills. Oh yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> <Tick>. <laughs> tick, you know? <laughs> This is our 10 second quick fire round, gonna to get to know you a little bit better, um, gonna give you some questions, quick answers please, Dee's gonna cue some music, and
1: we're off.
2: I've always wanted to go on a quiz show, I'm excited for this bit, let's go. Have- <laughs> uh, what was your first job? It was actually a Saturday girl in the Oasis fashion store. It's no longer around. I so. remember Oasis. I yeah. loved it. I used to go in the fitting rooms. I used to help everyone. I used to style everyone. I loved it.
0: What was your worst job?
2: Can I actually say, and I'm very, very, very lucky, I've never had a worse job because I went from the Saturday job to fashion college to my dream job as the jewellery buyer at Top Chop. So I haven't had that so I've been quite fortunate there.
0: We'll sort that out for you. Don't <laughs> worry about it.
2: <laughs> Favourite subject at school? Media studies. Okay. Because I love, I'm loved, not sure I know what that is. It was a bit more. It's a bit more of a modern day one, but it was all about media side of business. So I loved the. It was academic and it was about business, but also about the more glamour side, I suppose, so magazines and media. It's it's how media works. How media works, and I got to go to behind the scenes with BBC studios. So I just loved it.
0: Uh, we might know the. I could guess this one maybe. What's your special skill?
2: Okay, my special skill is finding a common ground with someone making them feel comfortable and then helping them amplify themselves and I think that's how I kind of put that into practice of leadership as well. So if I'm going for a drink with a friend and they're telling me a business idea, I get so excited like it's my own idea or if I'm sitting down with someone in the office and we're talking about how they want to progress their career, then I try and find a common ground to kind of make them feel really comfortable. I'm a a bit of an empathist. I get it mm. to someone.
0: Find a subject. That, that, yeah. You know, I'm, so, I'm so into that as a
2: thing. Yeah. You know? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be successful. I know cringe, but I just wanted to be what, successful. You did, you're highly competitive. I know. I've always wanted to walk into a room and have a presence. And I've wanted to get that through success, through something really authentic, rather than just, I don't know, being a footballer's wife or something. I really want, sorry to anybody any out there, but I just really wanted to have a reason to be present in a room.
0: Very good. Maybe a, maybe a fantastic hat. I mean, why not? <laughs> what did your parents want you to be?
2: Happy. Again, cringe. But I think they always knew that I'd be happy through being successful. So I think there's loving parents. They knew that that's how I'd be happy. So, yeah, happy. What's your go-to karaoke song? Okay, controversial. Please don't think I'm boring. I hate forced fun. I just hate so arcades. I hate anything where you're forced that's to go and have New fun. That's why New Year is hate shit. It. Yeah, I hate New Year. I love Christmas and everything else. I'm not like, like a Scrooge or anything, but I just don't like anything where you have to now and go have fun. And I feel like karaoke is that. And I don't want to hear people that can't sing. It's I d-
0: boring. It's very, very funny. Uh, sometimes, so I think you haven't had the really funny experience. but when it's funny, it's because one of your friends thinks they're good. They go, oh, "I'm going to go do this song," and they go up, and it's so
2: bad. But that's and awful. That's enjoying no, somebody else's life. No, it's so like... funny. And then people ruin songs through karaoke. Oh, I hate come it. Come on, it's funny. It's like watching someone. It's and and it's I hate mean.
1: Karaoke.
0: Yeah. Okay. You don't like karaoke, but I'm with you on forced fun. But karaoke yep. karaoke's optional. You know, okay. well, everything's always optional. I'm a big fan of Maybe
2: that. Maybe I'll try it. I'll let you know. I'll get on. I uh, you know.
0: It's like team away days. Shoot me now. Oh, I
2: hate them team oh, building. No, my no,
0: no. Fucking God. Oh, office dogs. <laughs> Business or bullshit?
2: Bullshit? Sorry, I know there's an office dog here. I just feel- I think they are. Quite no, annoying. You can You're entirely allowed to say bullshit. We're here to, to work, and I'm, I'm all for having a bit of fun and, it, you know, everything else, but dogs are just a distraction. Sorry. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, I think that's fair. He, he, he drives me bananas sometimes.
2: Have you ever been fired? I haven't. I've been involved, with, unfortunately, letting quite a few people go, and I've been involved... Oh, God, with... tell me about it. It's no fun. God, it's no fun at all, isn't it? But thankfully, never been fired.
0: Okay. It's so when they cry, that's particularly... It's
2: awful when they cry. Oh,
0: my God, don't. No crying. Right? If you're getting fired, don't cry. It's, it's kind sometimes, of annoying. But it's
1: a, it's a stress reaction, so you're stressed, um, and it's involuntary, and there's it's nothing you do about it.
2: Not to generalise genders here also, but it's also worse than the man rise. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's really
0: it's shocking. I think men are almost more likely to cry. I mean, we like sympathy when we look like, you know, it's like the, you could say to a man, God, you look tired, you look terrible, and they're like, I oh, know, I'm really
2: tired. Where well, women would say, what, well, I look awful. They'd be like, how
0: <laughs> dare you? So Fucking hell, I'm trying to be nice. Uh, what's your vice? Buying lots of clothes, and there's a reason for this. I'm gonna be really honest,
2: and this might be my kind of Essex side coming out here. If I don't like my outfit in the morning, I have a bad day. That, that is a fact, and I've tried and tested this. How I dress and how I show up is my, not my confidence. Comp- I'm a very com- armour, so I'm a very competent person, but it's just, I know I can take on the world when I like my outfit. So my vice is buying too many clothes.
0: Yeah, I mean, a simple one, with when I used to shave my head all the time, like when you're in your 20s, no one no one can be buggered to go to the barber, so you all buy clippers and just shave each other's heads for years. Well, that's what all my friends did. Well, every time that happened, I, I wake up in the morning and go, fucking look at me. I tell, you know, I look like I me my mum hated it. She's like, oh, I really don't like you. You look so aggressive and stuff. But, you know, I loved it in the terms of, yeah, I'll fucking, I'll have a bit of that. So it just shows you, it has an enormous impact on how you feel. <laughs>
2: Have you got any recommendations of things we should read or watch or listen to? So my recommendation for a read is anything that's an autobiography because I love listening to people's journeys. I always feel like you can take something out of something which, real. Which
1: ones do you? Have you so liked? Alex
2: Ferguson. I know, ironic because we just on the Manchester United partnership. just because his leadership. You're very is on second, brand. I'm very, very on brand. i very on brand. Sorry, this is this is unplanned, but because I love his leadership skills and how he switched up his leadership depending on who he's dealing with. Have you watched the Beckham documentary? I was just about to say, you've just stolen it for me. The thing to watch is the Beckham documentary. I'll t- tell you why, because football was secondary to him. and No one would have believed that until you watched the documentary. He was a powerhouse or his team behind him in commercialising himself. And I think there's something in there for everyone to learn. It's great having an amazing career, but you've got to think about outside your career as well because... You know, your career is a big part of your life, but it's not the whole span of your life. I just life. think it's really. In, I, I I don't I don't understand football or
1: care about football at all. But I watched the Beckham documentary, and what I thought was really interesting because he's roughly the same age as me. So, like you know, kind of, I was young when all of this was happening, yeah. and. I can just remember being so kind of scathing about Beckham and Bush and Becks and, oh my God, they're so annoying. So cringing. And then you watch that and think, actually, fuck me. He was like 19 years old. And had so much responsibility and so much pressure put on him. Yeah, of
2: course. Poor fucking guy, frankly. And how he coped with that. And I think they touched on really well about how the support wasn't there like it is now. He's a great example for all the social media stars out there now that he's only really ever endorsed six brands. Look what, really? look what that's done for him you look at a lot of these influencers and stuff now they go to an opening of an envelope and they'll do anything yeah, they're yeah. paid to do but look at his longevity commercially through only endorsing but six I major also brands but I suppose
1: he, he has a you know he's become an endorser and an influencer
2: because he was fucking brilliant at something absolutely off the back of a talent I think that's a huge thing
0: You've got thirty seconds now to pitch whatever the hell you want.
2: So basically, if you're looking for fantastic hydration, whether that's just as your everyday drink or you'd like a bit of collision in your life, check us out on Amazon. We're in all major retailers. We're about to have a co-branded product also come out of Man United. Get hydrated, guys.
0: Get hydrated. I like
2: the sound effects. I yeah, it was good. Was good. I, I didn't do
0: it on purpose. Oh, yeah. I love I that. Find, Thank
2: you. Ironically, I could drink like that, but this sort
0: of
1: comes at my, my face all the time, isn't it? It's yeah. Like you want to see a sight anyway.
0: Christ, I can't drink.
1: So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Queenie. You're fantastic. Thanks, Dee. Thanks, Andy. And we'll be back with our quiz, Business or Bullshit, on Thursday. Until then, it's. Ciao.